Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Hyperbaric Goat podcast with myself, Brad Roll, and with me is JT. Hello. <laughs> and we're continuing our countdown of the top 10 Only Fools and Horses episodes. And this week we are looking at an episode called Little Problems, which aired on the 12th of February, 1989. And this is from season six, and it is actually episode six, the final episode of this season. Yeah, it's, um, it's a very important episode as well. Obviously, we'll get to what happens and people probably will know. But obviously, it's something very important to the whole of Only Fools and Horses happens in this episode that pretty much shaped the, um, the last season and also all the specials. Um, I'm sure people know what happens, but we'll come to that as we go through the episode. This um, picked up 18.9 million viewers back in 1989, which is probably about a third of the population. And it's the most viewed episode that we've talked about so far. Wow, that is good. Um, it's funny you should mention like that um, something important happens in this episode, because I was actually thinking earlier, um, this season as a whole, season six, it kind of is, it culminates, it all ties up so many ongoing storylines and little nods that the show has, like things like Boise being a Jaffa. Um, <laughs> obviously, this season kind of, all through like Only Fools, everyone always thought Boise was a Jaffa. And if you don't know what that means, it basically means he's seedless. Those aren't down with the lingo, but we'll probably touch on that a bit more later. Um, and there's lots of little like ongoing stories and scenarios that all kind of come to a head throughout this season as a whole. And like you say, it wraps up quite nicely with quite an important change that happens in this episode that we're going to discuss. So I'd say this is probably overall, if I had to say this would probably be my favourite season of all of them. Yeah, I agree. Six, I mean, they're all good. There isn't a bad episode of Only Fools, in my opinion. There's episodes I like less than others, obviously. Mm. Um, but six, I could sit and watch in one go all the way through and not get bored or fast forward or want to skip an episode. I think every episode is solid in six, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And it just it flows so well. It kind of, I think we mentioned it when we um, spoke about some of our previous episodes, but like it kind of, in this season especially, like, stories are ongoing episodes aren't kind of like standalone or like they're just little sub stories this has like an overarching story that flows through this season like you said the specials are around it and came after it plus season seven so this is where it all became like a long journey and i'd say yeah. easily say that anyone who watches only fools and horses most of what they remember will come from season six and seven easy that'd be the main part they remember even though they remember the classic moments from past seasons this is the season where everything comes together. And I think this is what people remember as being the core of Only Fools. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's some iconic moments in, in this season, isn't there? We've talked about one already. We may talk about another one, spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, and obviously this episode shaped the, the last season and obviously the specials after it. So yeah, definitely. Right. So let's have a look at the episode. Then it starts off with um, In the Nag's Head. And we're introduced, well, not introduced, but we're shown Boise, Mike and Trig, and they're all sat down discussing um, Boise, who's taken, just come back from taking Marlene to um, have an ultrasound on her baby, which again is a nod to him clearly not being a Jaffa, because there was um, an ongoing thing saying that there was something either medically wrong with Boise or Marlene, which is kind yeah. of an... Only Fools do this really well. They kind of focus on real-life topics, but they manage to do it humorously without kind of taking away from the real aspect of it. And I, always, I think that's one of the things I like about Only Fools. They yeah, can put definitely. like a comedic spin on like a real-life situation that you can relate to, but you can still enjoy, obviously, a comedy element to it. 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was always thought that Marlene was a problem, wasn't it? But then yeah. it did turn out that it was Boise who was uh, the Jaffa. Yeah, and he was, uh, well, as Marlene said, he was firing more blanks than the Territorials in one episode. <laughs> That's think. right. It's, it's, um, when when he's talking about the scan to, to Mike and Trigger, and um, he says about, um, what was it? He says, and there it was or something. And is it Mike says, that, what, what? And he's like, oh, baby, what do you think? It was a Cornish pasty. Yeah, <laughs> I love that line. I absolutely love that line. And there's a bit here as well. This is where, like, the guy who plays Mike, he's good, but he hasn't got the best timing. You see, he's waiting for a line before they do the joke, and he's um, he's there, and he's like, "Shall we?" Took him to took Marlene to the hospital when they put one of those machines where you can see right inside the womb, and just oh, he's eating, isn't he? Yeah, Mike goes to eat like a <laughs> like a pork pie or something, and then like takes it away from his mouth. But you can see he's waiting for that line to start so he can do the gag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so they're like chatting about that, and Triggs there just looking gormless as usual. Standard. And um, then they're like, do they know if it's a boy or a girl? And he's like, no, the baby's head isn't engaged. No, but Rodney Trotter is. And the camera pans to Rodney sat on the table looking just completely gormless. Oh, he looks so miserable, doesn't he, when it pans to him? <laughs> he does. He sat there with that stupid suit that obviously is like two sizes too big, even for Nicholas Lindhurst. He's basically just like a snooker cue of a bloke anyway. <laughs> At he least he stopped his table. At least he stopped having his trousers up around his fucking belly button, though. Oh, I did in the early episodes. In the early episodes, like camo trousers all the time. (laughs) They were like properly, like pretty much (laughs) touching his nipples, weren't they? (laughs) (laughs) I think Grandad's trousers fitted him better than Rodney's trousers did. Um, um, Yeah, Rodney's just sat there looking completely like, I don't know, gormless. (laughs) It's like the only word. He's got like a fag that's like burning away in his hand and he's just staring into space. Um, with his impending marriage to Cassandra that's coming up. Yeah, he's, he's with Albert, isn't he? And he's talking about the fact he's um, he's failed his exam, hasn't he? His computer science exam, whatever he's doing at evening school. Um, and uh, he's basically pissed off because of that. And he, ter- he lets it slip to Albert. He's been offered a job, doesn't he, with Cassandra's dad on the yeah. basis that he passed his exam. And Albert's like, well, who told him he was going to pass it? And he said, well, I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, Rodney and Cassandra have been looking for flats haven't they but they need a 6k deposit for the flat that they've seen that they really like That's and, it. Uh, and, um, Cassandra's got Cassandra's, two grand hasn't she yeah mum and dad have got two grand so Rodney needs to put up two grand as well um, and isn't it then that Albert says you could um, what was it he said you could either go to the council or you could um, sell your half of the partnership to Dell doesn't he yeah, and Rodney's, and Rodney's like, yeah, like, that's, that's a, a good idea. great idea. I'll go to the council this afternoon. <laughs> and um, as that conversation's going on, then Dell comes strutting in. And this is, um, as we mentioned um, during Danger UXD, this is where like Dell's in the middle of his kind of yuppie craze. He's got like his anorak on, his big, massive metal briefcase and waving <laughs> mobile phones around. And he comes in and sits at the table <laughs> and he tells... Um, Rodney and Elba that he's just been um, to the printers to get him some proper Trotters Independent Traders headed paper. <laughs> oh, this is good, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and he's um and he's talking about again, he's going on about like image and all that stuff and how he's got it. So he's got his name abbreviated to uh the head of the paper, T I T for Trotters Independent Trading. Um yeah. and then he hands and after his... Rodney's name, isn't it? It's got D I C. Yeah, Rodney like <laughs> looks at a bit of paper, he's like, What's this what's this word after my name? Dick. No, that's Diploma in Computers. 
And he's yeah. like, you've and then, got to have a high-profile um, image, aren't you? And Rodney's like, because you're high-profile, we've got a company called Tit and a director with Dick after his name. <laughs> yeah. They also um, says about the mobile phones, doesn't it? They retail for like 199.99, and he's got them for 25 quid each. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Rodney's like, that's like two and a half grand. He's like, yeah, but I've got them on sale or return. So... Yeah, which obviously we'll we'll touch on later. It's quite a pivotal moment in the episode, isn't it, where these phones came from? It is. There's actually an ongoing um, thing in this episode that's quite funny, and it actually does get funnier as the episode goes on because he um he grabs Mike and he starts trying to sell him a mobile phone and showing him, and the camera cuts, so it's looking at Mike and um, Dell as he's showing him this like little mobile phone. Well, I say little, it's one of the old school ones. It's about the size of a briefcase, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like an aerial that shoots out like a lightsaber. Um, but the camera's position to show that Boise and Trigg are watching the, um, the racehorses, and every time Dell does something with his phone, it cocks up the TV channel, doesn't it? It does. It fits to, like, rainbow and stuff, doesn't it? <laughs> and Trigger and Boise are getting more and more pissed off. Yeah. It's getting to the end of this race. And also, the aerial comes flying out really quick, doesn't it? Mike's like, that aerial's a bit urgent, isn't it? He's like, yeah, that's a feature of this particular model, yes. which is also something that sort of pops up throughout the episode, isn't it, without bit of a pun there it does yeah and it's like so where he like goes oh yeah it's called um instant aerial and he's just like it's <laughs> typical delboy just trying to like bullshit his way through any sale like anything that happens within a product you know it's never going to work properly but he always just tries to put a spin on it doesn't he yeah that's right obviously mike's not interested in this mobile phone um but he never is at first with dell stuff but normally he ends up with one doesn't he at some point yeah um and then dell kind of sits down and speaks to rodney a bit more and um finds out about the um like the, the diploma as such and Rodney's still waiting to hear if he passed his test even though he thinks he's failed and then the scene cuts to the flat where that carries on and Dell is trying to fix his video recorder which we mentioned in um again Danger UXD he had those video recorders didn't he that he sold Boise yeah the ones that only work on the continental currency they do and but they've they've been fixed by the Chinese kid haven't they which again we we talk about these unpolitical politically correct things and I don't think it is particularly but the fact he singles him out by his race probably again could be a bit touchy these days yeah he singles him out he's like they a just... Chinese kid who's a whiz kid with electronics now it's just very stereotypical isn't it they, that's all they call him isn't it? that Chinese kid which you know you might not get away with these days yeah yeah they probably ruffle a few feathers along the way so Dell's trying to sort out this video recorder that again is about the size of a fucking it's massive, isn't it? Like the old VCR recorders back in the day. Yeah, like yeah. The size of his sofa. I mean, yeah, I, I remember my dad was quite proud of his video recorder when he first got it. <laughs> um, so he's he's doing that and he's talking to Rodney about the um the diploma and Rodney's like, Oh, but you know, I'm a little bit upset. I don't think I'm gonna get it. How am I gonna tell Cassandra that I can't, you know, um give her the money for the flat? Then Dell pulls out yeah, the diploma and says, oh, you know, I saw your teacher. And he says he's sorry, but he didn't get a chance to speak to you. But here's your diploma and that you've passed. So Rodney cheers up. Yeah, because there's one bit, isn't there? Rodney's talking about the exam. And he had to program a, a space shuttle or something, didn't he, to get to Venus? Yeah. And they gave him, like, the payload ratio and everything. And Dell's like, oh, you need all that. Yeah, not he's like, yeah but I miscalculated. Yeah, I miscalculated slightly. And mine fell a little bit short of Venus. And Dale's like, yeah, he mentioned Dartford. <laughs> yeah, because he's like, you know, he got confused with litres and gallons, didn't he? Because he's like, oh, yeah. we're around in Peckham. We don't really have much need for gallons or something. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And um, so Dell whips out this diploma that it turns out he actually bought off the um, teacher just to cheer Rodney up. He paid him like 150 quid. So Rodney thinks he's passed. He's got his little diploma sheet. And then Dell says he's going to give him the two grand for the flat um, as a wedding present. Rodney's, Rodney's pissed off at this point, isn't he? Because he didn't want Dell to know. Yeah, because he thought Dell was going to be he says about off and um, be upset that he's going to leave says, the partnership and leave the flat. Yeah, because he says about, obviously, um, Rodney, uh, Dell says, this diploma will help you get that job with Cassandra's dad. And he's like, so who told you that? And he's like, oh, Cassandra's dad told me. And that's when he, we find out that Dell's been speaking to Cassandra's dad. And that's where he got that headed paper from, isn't it? Because he, he owns the printing company. Yeah. This is the first episode, actually, that Cassandra's dad, Alan, and mum, Pam, make an appearance, isn't it? It's the first episode we actually see them. It is, but they do make... They're kind of ongoing after that, aren't they? We do see... They um, are. In yeah. Series 7, we do see them several times. Especially Alan. He makes quite a few appearances. Pam's a bit more... She doesn't pop up that often. But yeah, Alan's in nearly every episode in seven, I think, isn't he? Yeah. One way or another, he makes a little appearance. One thing to note here, and it's again, it's another ongoing thing with Alan throughout all his appearances, is um, Dell at that during that point, he's like, I was out for a drink with um, Cassandra's dad. And Roddy's like, no, no, Alan doesn't drink. He's teetotal. And Dell's like, no, no, this is a special occasion. The heads of two great households. Um but in the end, he ended up getting completely wasted. And that's always a thing. Like, Alan turns up, says he's not going to drink. And then the next time you see him, he's completely wasted. Whenever he meets Dell, he gets plastered, doesn't he? Seems to be the same for everyone, isn't it? Denzel, whoever whoever ends up hanging out with Dell, normally something goes wrong, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, they end up get wasted, wasted yeah. or they're out of pocket. Because <laughs> <laughs> Denzel usually just runs away, doesn't he? Whenever he sees Dell, he's just like, oh, and I'm off. <laughs> you can't blame him, can you? Let's be honest. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, um, but yeah, this is where I was going to say. This is where we find out that officially that Dale sold the VCRs to Boise, isn't it? She says he's going to get two grand off him to give to Rodney. Yeah, because Rodney's so like, "Where are you going to get two on. grand from?" And he's like, "I'll just call him my debts." And then he mentions about the VCRs, like you just said there. So he's owed like over two grand from Boyce. Yeah, because it's touched on when we talked about it in Danger UXD. Boyce's talking about the VCRs, isn't he? That it's bought off Dell. So, as we said in that episode, this is like an ongoing thing, these bloody video recorders. They keep popping up. Absolutely. And another thing, obviously, you can see why Boise's not too happy about them. Because he mentions in Danger UXD that they don't seem to work. And now we know that Dell's got the Chinese kid to fix them. And this scene, I thought, again, <laughs> it's got to be one of those scenes that could probably only be done once for the, li- for the sake of the live, live audience. Because Rodney's on his way out to meet Cassandra. She turns up and sort of like says hello to everyone and they're going out to dinner. And Dell turns on the VCR. Italian film. Yeah, and Dell turns on the VCR and it just completely explodes in front of him. This almighty bang, and you can hear some of the reaction. Of the audience are actually shocked, aren't they? They kind of scream because they make yeah. you jump. I just think those sort of things yeah. can only probably be done once for the sake of a live audience. Yeah, definitely. Like we said about the dolls, when they pop up, it, it would lose its effect if it had to be re-recorded. So it's pretty much got to be done in one take, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, but after Rodney and Cassandra leave, it's just when Dell confirms to Albert that he, he pays Mr. Jamil, I think it is, isn't it? 150 notes for the diploma. When Albert's like, lucky bumping into, into him, isn't it? How much did you give him? 150. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it just shows that whole thing of like, you know, Dell watching out for Rodney still, isn't it? That kind of like, he, he knows how much this means. Even though he rips Rodney a lot, he knows how much this means to him. And this is a big step. This episode is all about that yeah, big exactly. step in their relationship of Rodney leaving home, basically, isn't it? His wedding's coming up, he's, leaving, it is. he's moving out, and then 
it's about Dale accepting that and actually letting go in his own way. Yeah, and Rodney not feeling guilty as such, but he, I think he is kind of in the in a way like leaving Dale. And I say to fend for himself. Dale's always kind of fended for himself anyway, but he's always had Rodney there to back him up, hasn't he? Exactly, yeah. And it's like for both of them, it's like Rodney kind of realising everything Dale's done for him over the years. And now he's, you know, he's moving away from that and Dale accepting the fact that, you know, his his work is, well, what he thinks is going to be like his work is done at this stage. We're obviously raising Rodney <laughs> and looking after him. Doesn't quite go like that, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> so um, then we cut to the next scene, which brings us back to the Nag's Head. Most of this episode is actually filmed at the Nag's Head. It's um, the majority it of is, it. Yeah, it? yeah. Like the three main scenes are all shot here. And Dale's still trying to sell the phone to Mike. Um, <laughs> and Mike's like, read my lips. I don't want it. Only an idiot would buy that. Have you got one, Trigger? No, I haven't. But I'm thinking <laughs> of getting one, though. <laughs> that's the common thing as well, isn't it? It happens with those bloody doorbells as well, isn't it? Oh, God, when yeah. He, Dale's got those musical doorbells in another episode and he's trying to sell them to Mike. And it's pretty much the same thing, isn't it? About He says along the lines of only an idiot would have one. Have you got one, Trig? No, but then he does buy one off Dale, doesn't he? He does, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he's like, what, they're only like five nicker each? Yeah, I'll have one or something like that. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. So he's there trying to flog this phone, and then Boise comes strolling in. So Dell pulls him aside and is like, you know, when are you going to weigh in with the money for those mobile phones? And then Boise starts making out like he's got no money, isn't it? He's like, Marlene's pregnancy's costing me an arm and a leg. She's at a strange age for knocking out her first chavvy. Well, she is, isn't she? I mean, yeah. I don't know how old. She must be in her 40s in this episode. So, yeah, I mean, even back then as well, when, you know, it was... I mean, now... Again, like women tend to have children later these days because they're they're more career driven, aren't they? But back then, in the eighties, it was like you know if you had a child sort of after your thirties, it was kind of frowned upon, wasn't it? And the medical science obviously wasn't as good back then. I mean, I know it's only thirty odd years ago, but things have advanced quite a lot in those thirty years. They have, yeah, and obviously for the better as well. Because obviously, like you say, it allows people, women especially, that have that career before they decide to settle down yeah. for their family. But yeah, especially when you look back then, it like was it's nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, like 40-year-old having a, a kid was, you know, like I say, not frowned upon. It was just considered a little bit risky, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was quite quite rare for people to have kids at that age, wasn't it, back then? So Boise's claiming he's broken. He can't give Dale the money. Um, so Dale's like now a little bit peed off because he was kind of relying on that to give to Rodney. He's made Rodney the promise that he's going to pay him two grand. Um, and then as... um. They get off in that conversation. Boise turns to Dell and he's like, oh, by the way, I hear the Driscolls are looking for you. Now, the Driscolls have been mentioned several times, and this is the only episode in Only Fools and Horses that they actually materialise. Um, it is, They're yeah. a pair of kind of like London gangster heavies, basically. Um, and Dell's like, what do you mean they're looking for me? I don't ever do any business with the Driscolls. And Boise just kind of leaves it there hanging like they normally do. They normally just say something to wind each other up. Um, and then... Because Dell's... Um... Dell's tried to sort of tell Boise he's had the VCRs fixed, didn't he? Because one of the reasons, obviously, Boise's pretending he's skinned, but he's also saying these videos didn't work, so I'm not going to give you the money for them. Dell's like, no, I've got this Chinese kid. He's a whiz kid. He's fixed them all. They're working fine now, isn't he? Sort of fobbing him off. Yeah, and then Boise's like, well, I'll pay you the money as soon as I've got it, because, again, he's like saying that Boise, um, Marlene's pregnancy is costing him, and he doesn't want to go on the NHS, so he can't expect his wife to mingle all those ordinary people. <laughs> yeah, such a snob. He, he? He, he plays it so well, though. I love Boyce. So I'd say he's one of my favorite. He's got uh, to be my favorite character out of you know behind Dell. He he is my 
Yeah, he's he's my favourite of all the non-trotters, definitely. Yeah, I love Boyce. Yeah. Um, and then Alan comes in, old Alan Parry, Cassandra's dad. Um, and he, he's he's got a plaster on his face, hasn't he? Because he's brought a mobile phone off to Dell. <laughs> yeah. So the instant Ariel did one on him. So Dell was like, come and have a sit down and we'll have a chat and everything. He's like, why, why, why aren't you at home? He's like, I'm a bit bored. There's something wrong with our telly. Obviously, in, in notion to the fact that he's brought that bloody mobile phone off Dell and it's cocked up his TV signal. Yeah. This is um this is when we again we sort of confirm that Alan doesn't really drink, does he? Dell offers him a drink and he says, I'll have a lemonade. But then Dell's like, really? And he's like, Okay, I'll have a small scotch. Yeah. And then um because Alan's come to the pub looking for Dell because they're looking obviously to decide what's gonna happen with the wedding reception for um Cassandra and Rodney and he just wants some ideas from Dell. So Dell was obviously a bit nervous now because he thinks, oh well, I've got two grand that I'm not quite sure I've got that I'd give Rodney for his deposit. Now is Alan expecting me to pay for some of the um like the wedding? And it's all done with his facial expressions, isn't it? Like he's looking a bit nervous because he doesn't yeah. want to give any high end ideas because he's got no cash to spare on it. Yeah, because Alan says I'd, I'd like you to help with wedding contributions, and obviously Dell then thinks that's cash. Yeah. So, like you say, his his face drops a bit. So he tries to um to talk Alan into having it in the nag's head, doesn't he? He does. And Alan's like, well, my wife's not happy about that. She wants, like, cricket pavilions and country clubs and all these sort of posh things. And obviously then Dale pretends, oh, no, that's not for me. No, just have it in the pub with, like, you know, jelly deals and stuff, trying to do it on the cheap. Yeah, and Alan's a bit of a good old boy, isn't he? He's like, you know what, I actually like the idea of having it in a pub with the jelly deals and all that stuff. Um, that's another thing that pops up a few times, isn't it? Alan's love for, like, jelly deals and, like... That sort of thing. I think we'll touch on it possibly in an episode we talk about later. Um, but yeah, Alan's sort of love for all things Cockney and jelly deals and all that sort of. Yeah, he's, he's a bit of a down to earth guy, isn't he, really? And Pam's a bit of a hyacinth bouquet, isn't she? She's all like lardy dar and posh. Yeah, and all that. Pam really irritates me. Um, the way that like, the actress does a good job because she plays her the way obviously she's supposed to be played, but she's just such an irritating yeah. character. Um, like you say, Alan. He's kind of a self-made man, you know. He's worked. He's built his printing business. He's successful, you know. Late eighties, he's doing all right from South, owning his own printing firm. Alan obviously came up the old-fashioned way, a bit of a self-made man. And Pam's just a bit high society, isn't she? Because she's like, once, like you say, like the country yeah. club, the caviar, and um, because Dell turns around once they've been discussing the wedding, he's like, "Well, how much is this going to cost me?" And then Alan's like, "Well, it's not going to cost you anything, is it? You know, it's my daughter getting married. I'm, and I'm assuming for the lot." I just wanted you to keep his Pam ideas. Obviously, doesn't work. Alan's the breadwinner. I mean, if he's got his own firm, and I imagine he's doing all right for himself. So, she's one of these sort of like women yeah. who probably goes out to like you know meet her friends for for brunch or whatever and all that. I mean, this is in the yuppie era, so I imagine she's she's sort of one of those, isn't she? So she's a bit high and mighty and sort of thinks she knows best, sort of thing. Well, that was kind of it, wasn't it? Whether um. You know, nowadays people are probably like piss and moan about something like that. But, you know, in high society back then and probably in elements of it today, you know, yeah. the bloke was a breadwinner, wasn't he? Um, so he had his firm and he was bringing in the money. Then, yeah, she probably would, you know, just go and have like, lunch for be like a stay at home wife who doesn't actually probably do a lot, really. Um, so obviously she wants, which is what we say about Rodney and Cassandra, isn't like yeah. Cassandra compared to him is like really kind of high society and upper class. Whereas Rodney's just <laughs> Yeah, exactly longer. that. So he's kind of punching yeah. above his yeah, way in that regard. Yeah, he said in Danger UXT, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're basically getting to the point um, 
where Dale suddenly realizes that he just kind of shot himself in the foot because he actually wouldn't have minded going for some high society um, stuff after all. But in fear of having to pay for it, he decided to talk Alan into renting the um, the nags heads. Yeah, there's a good bit, isn't there? When when they're talking and um, Alan says to Dale, "You're not into all that sort of country club and all that, is are, are you, Dale?" And he's like, "No, it's all for show." And he's got that fucking cocktail with like umbrellas and shit sticking out of it. <laughs> Yeah. Again, that's perfect timing, isn't it? Like people do yeah. all that stuff just for effect. And like you say, he puts down the fucking... Mike comes along with small scotch, which is obviously, as you'd expect it, just plainly in a glass. And then Della is like basically like this <laughs> tropical forest in a glass put down in front of him with a massive umbrella yeah, sticking out of it. Classic like, timing, isn't fuck it? Now. Yeah, Malibu Reef. Oh, actually, it is, yeah, you're drinking. right. Which, um, yeah, it was talked about in a minute because then uh, Mickey and Jevon come into the pub, don't they? Um Mickey's yeah, arms a little bit worse cast and Jevon's got a neck brace on. Yeah. yeah, actually, um, speaking of Mickey having a cast on, that was actually a genuine injury. I'm not no. sure if you're aware, but um, the guy... No, the guy who plays Mickey, whose name... <laughs> we always forget his name, Murray, don't we? It is Patrick say. Murray. I'm terrible. Oh, no, I never remember his name. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, apparently he... There was an incident, I think... I can't remember exactly what happened from what I read about it, but I think he was walking his dog and he fell over and fell through like a sheet of glass or something, somewhere along the line. It sounds like a sketch that should be in Only Fools yeah. Horses, but it's not oh, right. it's I didn't know real that. life. Um, yeah, and he actually broke his arm and he was, it was actually a genuine injury that he had. So they had to write that scene for those two to have been beaten up so he could be on set to film it because that was oh, a real right. no, I didn't know that. So that's interesting. Worked quite well in this episode then, didn't it? Yes, it does, yeah. Actually, adds to the uh, the elements of it. So they walk in, asking to speak to Dale, looking like they just had like a cut around <laughs> with Mike Tyson. This is where we see um, Alan. Alan's um, sort of disappeared at this point, hasn't he? And they've called him a minicab. And then we, we see him sort of come out um, with uh, Trig, isn't it? And he's like pissed out of his face. Alan, he's obviously he's either had one too many scotches, or he can't handle the small scotch he had. We don't don't really know if he's like if he's smashed a few back or whether he's a complete lightweight, do we? At this point, that's it. Because when I was watching, I was like, it doesn't really indicate if there's been much of a time lapse. So is he like the reason he doesn't drink is because he is such a lightweight? Like one small scotch has basically just done him in, basically, hasn't it? Because he's been, I think, Boise and Trigger are both carrying. They are, two yeah. Many, so yeah, like they? you say, we don't we don't know what time has passed, but it would appear he hasn't had many in that time. So he's obviously a bit of a lightweight. Yeah, because. And I swear Dale's still on the same drink because um, Mickey and Jevon come in and they're speaking to him. They're basically saying, you know, those mobile phones you bought from us. So it turns out that Dale's got these phones on sale or return from Mickey and Jevon. Um, and they're asking if he's got the money for him. And he's like, no, I haven't sold them yet. And they're like, oh, God, oh, no, we bought them from the Driscoll brothers. And Dale suddenly then realises that the Driscoll brothers are looking for Dale because they think that he's trying to con them out of money by taking the mobile phones, and then they will start That's panicking, right. really, don't Isn't it, Dale says, um, if I end up supporting a flyover on the M26, you guys are going to be at the next junction. And obviously, there's no such thing as the M26. Yeah. <laughs> Dale obviously getting things wrong again, like he always does. He's always nearly there, isn't he? Like M25 or whatever, and M26. He, he kind of nearly gets things right, but he's always slightly off the mark, isn't he? Well, it's like when he's talking a bit earlier on, when he's talking to Mike about the phones, yeah, he's talking about satellites. the satellites, isn't he? He's like, oh, the satellites have <laughs> got coming to... <laughs> when he's... Just a little bit back to when he's talking about the... Um... It's where he's talking about his... Um... When he's doing tit, 
and he's talking about his abbreviations and dick like he's talking about other ones like you know there's ft <laughs> for financial times ba for british airways glc hey, for general electric company yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> digressing yeah. again as always um so he then says oh let's just buy mickey and um they never Jeb get it though drink. have you noticed and they, then, they never get this drink that Dale was yeah. promised them. We asked Mike to get them a drink, but obviously they never actually get to have this drink. Yeah, because as Dale approaches the bar, Mike's like, what's to say about the Driscoll brothers? You know, I've heard they're nasty characters. And then <laughs> Dale's, well, Boise turns around and goes, well, one of them looks like he's been evicted yeah. from the planet. And the other one's the like, um, and, and, um, <laughs> yeah, what? Young for his years. Is it, no, you just want to punch it, just want to smack him in the face or something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so then um, Mike's like, you know, I don't want anything to do with them. And like I say, this drink never appears for Mickey or Jeb or not. The scene's on for a couple of minutes, but then um, Trigger comes back into the bar and they're like, oh, did you get Alan in his cab all right? And so goes, yeah, but there was nearly a fight because the uh, minivan nearly backed into the Driscoll Brothers' Mercedes. And everyone's like, oh my God, the Driscoll Brothers are here. So Dell Trigger, I don't know why Trigger, <laughs> he just runs along anyway. Jevon and Mickey all just like charge upstairs. Mike tells them to go upstairs and hide in their hall. And the rest of them are going to pretend that Dell hasn't been there. So then they will go charging upstairs. And there's a bit, as Jevon runs, he slips over. And that was actually a that genuine slip. It wasn't done for the episode. He actually fell over while doing that scene. I, he just I kept haven't running noticed anyway. that. So there's one it's a good little work. spot there. I've never noticed that. And I've seen this episode yeah. uh, a lot of times. I've never noticed that. It's quite funny when you watch it, because um, when he slips, you can tell he's trying so hard to keep his like balance, and it just makes it even more exaggerated. But it's a genuine. He caught his makes leg it more realistic, table, though, doesn't um, it? As he was obviously they're in apparently. absolute panic because the Driscolls yeah, are fucking really. nutters. But that's it. And I love that finding stuff out like that in like shows and movies. You know, when you know little accidents like that happen, but the director just keeps rolling, and the actors just keep going with it, you know, you know doesn't, things don't happen exactly. perfect, do they? Yeah, and then obviously the Driscolls come into the pub, and we see Danny at first, he's this big fucking tall guy, and then Boyce's like, oh, hi Danny, you're, you're Tony not with you, and then obviously <laughs> Tony comes out from behind Danny, doesn't he, and he's like about five foot two, tiny little guy, who, he's, um, he's been in yeah, lots I mean, of things, so. He's so he's, he's short. Yeah, he he's actually really sh he's shorter than David Jason though. And he's yeah, I mean he he dude. was Mike in the young ones, wasn't he? The I don't have an answer for that. Shut up, the guy who plays um, <laughs> Siri. Siri, because obviously we mentioned her. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the, the guy who plays Tony, um, yeah, he was Mike in the young ones. Is probably his biggest part, but he he's been in a lot of programs. He's been around. He's still he's still acting now. Yeah, because he was in, I didn't watch it, but I, I was just looking through IMDb earlier and I see like he was in Bottom and he's appeared in things yeah. like Mr. Bean. Um, I think he was in like an Alice in Wonderland TV movie. I think he was in bloody SpongeBob SquarePants, like something else I wouldn't even watch if someone <laughs> oh, really? gave me to. But he voiced someone, I don't know who the hell he voiced. He's in like Doctor Who and like loads of like classics and I think like Absolutely Fabulous was on there as well. So yeah, he's definitely been yeah, he's definitely lot. been around. My daughter watches uh, SpongeBob, but I can't say I'm a fan. <laughs> Speaking of um, the Driscolls, though, um, Danny Driscoll originally was going to be played by Anthony Hopkins, really? believe it or not. Yeah, he was a set to play it. He was a big fan, well, an ongoing fan of Only Fools and Horses, and he's a huge, huge fan at this point. And he was going to come in and play it because this is like a one and done appearance for these two yeah. characters, basically. Um, and he had 
something happened with the filming of um, Silence of the Lambs, and I think it got pulled forward or something, and he had to go off to America and film that, but he was going to be Danny Driscoll. I didn't, Driscoll didn't know that. Yeah, that's a thought, good fact. I mean, this would have been around the time. I was thinking of Silence of the Lambs. So, I mean, he was a big actor. I mean, he still is, so... Yeah, yeah, he's definitely um, obviously commands a good pay pay packet for anything he does, doesn't he? He's one of you know Britain's finest. But yeah, it would have been imagine if he just sort of appeared in this. That would have been like a great little he appearance. Probably, I, think. I mean, I'm not saying he would have done, but I'd imagine if he was a fan and stuff, he'd have probably done it not on the cheap. But you know what I mean? He wouldn't have commanded a big fee for it if it's a one-off appearance and he wanted to do it. Yeah, I'd imagine he's the sort of guy. He's quite humble. He yeah. probably would have done it for free yeah. for this sort of thing, maybe, wouldn't he? But you know, I'm just saying he's. Is a very highly paid, so it would have been a massive name to have. I never knew show. that. That's a great, great little fact there. Yeah, so Danny Driscoll, who ended up being played by Roy Marston, as we say, goes about <laughs> an eight foot tall or something like that. It's <laughs> like, massive, and he just looks even bigger because of how small. Um, it's like Dell and Rodney, is. though, isn't it? It's like the the tall and the the short brother. So it's kind of sort of playing on that again, isn't it? That brothers that are completely is, almost like... mismatched. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like the Driscolls are the opposite of um, Dell and Rodney because they're actually a successful kind of like gangster unit, aren't they, really? They, like, yeah. They've got money, they've got clout, they've got respect. And Dell and Rodney are just a pair of wallies who run around with a briefcase trying to make ends meet. But it's almost like a mirror reflection of like what a successful version of those two could Yeah, you're be. right. I've never really thought of it like that before. But yeah, completely right. Where Dell and Rodney are sort of wheeling and dealing to sort of put their hand to their mouth, aren't they? Whereas these two are we assume, quite successful. Yeah, I mean, they've certainly got the intimidation factor because when they walk into the pub, like, everyone hushes down, like, looking down at their pints and that, and Boyce is just stood there with that stupid, like, grin on his face, like, shaking. He's got his cigar in his hand, but he's shaking yeah. like a leaf, isn't he? They're like, um, isn't it? We heard Marlene's up the spout. Yeah, that's right. Well, let us know who did it and we'll sort him out for you. Yeah. <laughs> And then he's like asking the bar, keep asking Mike, he's like, you know, is a Del Boy around? Uh, no, he's not. Well, that's funny. His car's in the um, parking lot. And what's this? A Costella and a Malibu Reef. That's how we know what yeah. drink he's drinking. Yeah, drink landlord. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because it's like only Del Boy in a pub like that is the only person with like a, a rainbow coloured <laughs> drink. Any everyone else is just on pints or they're on like spirits or something. And Del, Del always has this like exotic yeah. cocktail going on. That's when they say, um, have you just had this pub decorated? Yeah. Shame. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, gives him a pound, doesn't he? He's like, here's a pound. I want to buy everyone in the pub a drink, and I want change. And then boy, she's just like, large cognac. <laughs> Mike's face is just like, fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking greasy boysy. Because didn't he like after telling Dell that he's got no money? He's like, oh, I'll just have yeah, a small shandy or something that, like that. Whereas he's normally always drinking. Yeah, cognac, I picked isn't up he? on that. Yeah, he's obviously like playing on the fact that he's supposedly, in inverted commas, skint. He can only afford half a shandy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, the Driscolls decide that they're going to give um, the pub the once over and have a look, see if they can find Del Boy. So they head on upstairs, which is where we cut to. So then we cut to upstairs where Mickey, Jevon, Trig and Del are all hiding behind this kind of big red curtain in what is, we assume it's kind of like the kind of the function hall, isn't it? That um, Alan's just hired out, oddly enough. Yeah, I've got a problem problem about this. Well, we'll come to it in a second because it kind of will flow on from what happens in a minute. Okay. Because um, then they're asking Trig, aren't they? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, here? and he's like, oh, just 
just followed like, you. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's like, you said run, so I ran. And he's like, well, we didn't mean you, did we? So, like, he's just there as, like, kind of a spare part as usual. And then the Driscolls come in and turn on the light, and they're looking around. And then um, Danny Driscoll sees the curtain, so he, like, nods to Tony to sort of have a look. So he picks up a snooker yeah. cue, doesn't he? And he starts, like, poking it through, and it's just narrowly missing their heads, which I don't know how they shot this. Or they had markers that you just couldn't see because, you know, he could have easily like poked one yeah, of them in quite, the face. Couldn't quite he, well done. He must have. Out. They must have marked it out for where for what. Yeah, for can't speak for him to hit the curtain because they, they are quite close. Then obviously, yeah, and I'm just thinking for the sake of the live audience because you see the Driscolls from like a side camera shot, but you see you, they obviously the Trotters, um, Dell, Jevon, and Mickey and Trig from behind, don't you? As the curtains coming through, so I'm not sure what angles they would have filmed that at for the audience to see what's Yeah, because the last one obviously goes right between Dale's legs and nearly gets him in the family jewels, doesn't it? It does, yeah, because everyone else narrowly misses it by the head, so Dale's like dodging left and right, expecting it to come by his head and ends up going, like you say, right between <laughs> see, this his is the, This is the problem I've got now, we've mentioned the snooker cues. So there's there's racks of snooker cues in this function hall. There's no fucking snooker table or pool table or anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, so... Yeah, it's just a little thing I picked up on. The fact there's a couple of racks of snooker or pool cues, but no actual table in this room. It's funny you should say that because you'll also notice that the rack that you can see behind the Driscolls is full of snooker cues, but it just happens to be one propped up against a chair, which is the one that Tony Driscoll picks up, doesn't he? So it's like, why would they have a rack um, full of snooker cues in the first place if there's no snooker table let alone just one <laughs> random one there with a bunch of chairs it's just like you say it's obviously put there for the scene but it's just no kind of like it doesn't make sense why they're there in the first place no. so then obviously the, the Driscolls give up they think there's no one in the room and they're just sort of walking out aren't they and then <laughs> shut up Siri the fuck off Siri the mobile phone aerial pings out and goes up Dale's nose doesn't it yeah, because they're like tapping each other on the shoulder going, oh, it's all clear. And they're like kind of passing it down the line, Chinese whisper style. I can't remember who it is, but Trigger, someone just turns around and taps Dell on the pocket where his mobile phone is. And like you say, the aerial just goes straight up his nose, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, then Dell obviously lurches forward and all the guys, and then they pull the curtain down just as the Driscolls are leaving. So if that had happened sort of 10, 20 seconds later, they probably would have got away with it, but the Driscolls are still in the room at this point. Yeah, and um, so the Driscolls come back in, turn the light on, and they see them all looking there like a pair of spare ones trying to... <laughs> I swear Mickey's like trying to hold up the curtain yeah, and hide himself yeah. still, isn't he? So, <laughs> so um, they come in and it's like, yeah, look, Tony, he's got one of our phones up his nose. <laughs> they also, they um, they tell Mickey and Jevon and Trig to they can go, don't they? So it's just they're just left with Dell. Um, and it's strange as well because... They don't know who um, who Trigger is, do they? I mean, they, they obviously knew Boise, they know Dell. So this, obviously, you can see that Trigger isn't sort of one of the wheeler dealers because the, the Driscolls don't know where he is. They just say, oh, you can go as well, don't they? They don't say you can go Trigger or whatever. So they obviously don't know him as a person. Yeah, I always thought this bit is actually, it kind of shows that Trigger's got a heart of gold because, like, um, Jevon and Mickey obviously leg it because he's like, oh, no, I thought I told you to if I see you again, we'll obviously knock you about again. But then he just says to beat it, so they leg it. And then he says to Trig, you know, you two, get out of here. But Trig obviously wants to stay with yeah. Dell, doesn't he? He's like, oh, but I'll stay. And then Dell's like, no, no, it's all right, Trig. Just, just go, like, 
and urges him to go. But I'd always thought that was quite yeah. a nice moment when like Trigger's kind of willing to stay there with Dell, even knowing that things. Could yeah, get rough. I mean, Trigger's dopey as he is. He's loyal, isn't he, to his mates? I mean, you see, you see yeah. Boise and Mike sort of taking a piss out of Dell and badmouthing him quite often, and Trigger sort of always tries to stick up for him, doesn't he? Yeah, and like you say, he's probably the only person who ever buys anything Dell is selling <laughs> of the group. Whenever he's peddling something in the pub, as we mentioned, with like, you know, the um, the doorbells and the phones and that, Trick's probably always going to buy something off Dell. He is, yeah. But obviously, going back to this now, the, the Triscolls think Dell's um, stitching them up, doesn't he? They, they know he's got these phones off Ebony and Ivory, they call them, which, again, probably wouldn't get away with calling sort of them that this day and age. Well, that's it, yeah, because for those who don't watch it, um, Jevon is a, a coloured bloke and Mickey is obviously a white lad. Um, so, yeah, calling him Ebony and Ivory, I just don't know. Yeah, it's probably not somebody, you know, could ruffle a few feathers again these days. It's probably not somebody that would ever be written into a modern day script. No, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have it written in these days. This is obviously, again, this is one of the, um, the only times, I think, in the whole of Only Fools and Horses where Dell is visibly shit scared, isn't he? Like, um, Danny offers him yeah. a fag and he goes to light it and he is properly shaking. I mean, Dale's normally, you know, front and bullshit, isn't he? As even he says in an episode. But you can see Dale is actually bricking it because he knows what the Driscolls are like. That's it. And like we said, they've been mentioned a few times. And I, I think the whole way they're shot, even though it's a comedy thing. And um, <laughs> Danny actually has one of my the best lines when he falls. It always cracks me up when it comes on. It comes up in a minute. Um but yeah, like the way they shoot or not, when they come into the pub and everyone's hush hush, it's like they really give the um, impression that these guys are not to be messed with. They're not your average kind of idiots who are just out on the market. These are serious, like heavies, basically, aren't they? I don't know if they're supposed to be like a version of the craze yeah. or something like that, but these are supposed to be legitimate gangsters. Oh, yeah, I imagine the, the craze certainly played a bit of influence in this. They've also got a couple of heavies with them as well, isn't it? It's not just Tony and Danny, they've got a couple of like heavies with them so you can tell they mean business yeah yeah and they're, they're like the bog standard almost like bond henchmen yeah. aren't they they're just wearing black suits one of them's got like a huge face rug of a mustache for no reason <laughs> yeah. there's a mullet and stuff in the yeah background. you're right <laughs> <laughs> so um they're talking to Dell, and they're like you know those two you know, idiots, Ebony and Ivory told me that they sold the phones to you months ago so we want our money and Dell was like well I only got the phones the other day i didn't realize that they bought them off you like i think it's like three months ago or something. yeah they, they've had them a while haven't they um, yeah but Dell didn't know that so he's like you know you you owe me a little bit of time at least because then he says like when those two went away from, in jail he helped their mum out who was left on her own he she sort of took them some groceries and stuff so he's kind of trying to beg them just to have a little bit of time to try and flog them and get the money yeah there's a there's a line as well in this which is is always cut out when it's played on gold and it makes no sense um, yeah, yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, is that, yeah. Is that like, what you were um, going to talk about? <laughs> uh, no, I was going to talk about the other line, but um, just before we get there, because um, he's like, he's like begging for time from the Driscolls, and he's like, "Come on, you guys can't be short of a few bob." And he's like, "Well, no, we're not." And I tell you why: it's because we don't let debts linger. And then they sort of tell the story about what happened to their dad, don't they? It worked like all day, um, isn't it? And all, all night. And what was it for? Shilling day and an all shit sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> but that line, like you say, and when you watch it on gold, they always cut the horseshit bit out, so it literally just goes a shilling. And then a day, the laughter. Then it cuts and just has yeah. wars of laughter, and it's like, well, there was no punchline. It makes <laughs> yeah, no sense. It's one of, I mean, we've talked about gold cutting things before, but they should have just cut that whole bit out because 
where it just says a shilling a day and then it cuts to just raucous laughter. So, well, that makes no fucking no sense at all, does it, really? Exactly, especially if you've never seen the episode before and you're like, how was a shilling a day like a comedy <laughs> moment, you know, that, that had that much laughter yeah. in it? But the bit is when um they're saying about how their dad went down, he got like caught, he worked for like an estate where he got paid a shilling a day in a horseshit sandwich. And then he got arrested for burglary, yeah. didn't he? And then he's like, um, but he was innocent. There was a few fingerprints. Yeah, just a few fingerprints. Yeah. And eyewitnesses. A couple of eyewitnesses. It was a, it was a <laughs> plant. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then they say about like how it left them as kids with their mum with no one to support them. And his dad killed himself in prison, didn't he? And he was like, it was a suicide attempt that went wrong. All right. He tried to hang himself with his <laughs> braces and smashed himself to death on the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's obviously a horrible thing, but it's done in such a comedic way, isn't it? Just... <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great line. That whole <laughs> that whole scene with the Driscolls and Dale with the whole shit sandwich and then the suicide attempt that went wrong or right. It's just, it's really well done, isn't it? It's all, all of them act really well in that scene. Dale's shit in his pants. Driscoll's sort of trying to be a bit intimidating but also in a comedic way where they're saying things that is actually quite funny although it's quite serious that's it yeah i can cry and i can't stop <laughs> laughing so it just always put that weird image in my mind but like you say it's like it's, it's real life things and it's like you know it's not making light of someone committing suicide but it's just the way it's delivered yeah. and it's like he's so deadpan isn't he? the guy who plays danny driscoll he plays it so well but it's there was face when he kind of like puts two and two together yeah. And it's just like you hear the crowd kind of sniggering and then as they kind of get the joke, they all start laughing as well. And it's just such a great yeah. scene. And then obviously um, in the end, the Driscolls say, OK, Dale, you've got a bit of time because Dale did help their mum out when they were in Nick and stuff. Um, so they say they'll pay him a visit, but they'll ask when, don't know. And they sort of walk out. But Danny is quite sinister, isn't he? The way he plays the character, he is, he is quite intimidating. Yeah, because he is like just like we said, he's he's so yeah. tall, and he's like he's got quite a kind of gaunt face, and he? he's got yes. a kind of a bald head, a gaunt face. He looks like a kind, of, he looks like Nosferatu. Almost. Yeah, he's like proper like, and they got the big yeah, trench coat as well, like the old gangsters. Used yeah, to have. yeah, totally yeah, big duffel coat. So the the Driscolls basically they say they're going to give Dale a bit of time. They they leave him, and then uh, old Boise walks in, doesn't he? To, to the room. Oh, yeah, just as the Driscoll's Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. Danny, I just thought I'd come up and give you a hand. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then, um, Danny's like, oh, so right, we're all sorted now, um, Boyce, and he wanders off, and Boyce, he comes in, he's like, what was all that about, Dell? It wasn't about those VCRs you sold me, is it? Yeah, because Mickey's, Mickey's kind of told like, him, hasn't he, that there's a problem with some electricals, but not what they are. So Boyce then thinks it's the VCRs. Yeah. Yeah, and he comes up worried that Dale was obviously going to pass it down the line to him. And Dale kind of like takes a moment. You see him, the cogs turn. He's like, well, it might be those VCRs. I mean, I've got to tell them something because they want to give someone a yeah. hiding. And boy, she just whips out like a huge wad of cash from his jacket, doesn't he? And gives Dale's Dale. like, I thought you were skint. Oh, yeah, well, I just suddenly found three grand in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's like, I want to swear it away. <laughs> Cheers, Dale. And East Carper's off again, doesn't he? Like the action hero that he is. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a wuss, isn't he, old Boise, really, at the end of the day. Yeah, and then Dale's obviously smiling to himself. He's happy, he's got his cash, so now he thinks everything's going to be cushy. He can now pay off the Driscoll brothers. Um, and then we move across to 
Rodney Stagg, isn't uh, it? Rodney Stagg, yeah. who, yeah, cuts back to downstairs, but obviously a little bit in the future where we're having Rodney Stagg, and he's drunk and slurring his words, talking about, like, if Dell wasn't looking after him, he could have become, like, what is it? Um, Snoop Liffer. Or something he, um, like that. he plays this really well, actually, Nicky Slindhurst. I mean, he he plays the drunk part really well, doesn't the way he's slurring his words and stuff. It's not easy to, to put that on, unless he was actually pissed when he filmed it. Um because he does it really well. I'm sure. I mean, this is the days when people used to drink on set, so maybe he did. Well, something I've picked up on, and I think we've talked about it before um, off air, obviously. Like, Dell and Rodney, Dell particularly, he's always got an alcoholic drink in his hand. Like, he yeah. walks into the flat, pours himself a whiskey, cognac, cocktail, opens a can of beer. Like, you know, they, they go around to Boyce's house. First thing they do is they'll pour each other a drink or whatever. He's, he's always fucking drinking. Yeah, and as I say, like, this episode particularly is pretty much all shot on the nag's head. So they've always got, like, you know, they always got his cocktail to hand. Everyone else has always got a pint or a whiskey or something. So it just makes you wonder, like, they actually did they ever actually drink to try and get into mood and the swing of things? Or was it all, like, kind of fake drinks? I'm not well, sure. Well, like I say, back in, in this day, well, in the sort of late 80s, it was all alcohol and cocaine, wasn't it? I mean, I'm sure they weren't... Um smashing back lines or whatever but i imagine they had a few beers or you know drinks while they were filming oh they must have done one they? because it's all i think that's what makes some of the comedy so natural they must have had a couple at least you know yeah. i think if i was an actor and i was performing in front of a live crowd i'd need a bit of dutch courage anyway just to sort of get out there and get myself ready. oh yeah yeah definitely yeah and obviously denzel sat with them isn't he at, at the table and he's talking about his stag do and he doesn't remember much about it just the fact he had a what was it an l plate like stuck to his pants or something, isn't it? Yeah, and he's like, you know, I didn't mind the L play, but I wish they'd let me keep my pants on or something like that. And Rodney's like, oh, don't put your pants away. And he's like telling these horror stories. And he's just there, like, and like you say, he plays it so well. He like generally looks drunk, like he's not quite taking in what's being said. Yeah, he does. I mean, I've seen this scene a hundred times, but sort of pay, paying more attention to it last night when I watched this again. And I was like, he does play the drunk really, really well, which made me think maybe they did sort of pop a few whiskeys down his throat before we film this. Yeah, and if they did, fair play. It, it certainly like did. Because <laughs> then he's doing the whole, you know, like the junk, drunken, happy thing. So he's like saying, oh, my brother's always looked out for me. And you know what? He's going to give me um, money for obviously my flat, the two grand, so I can go in there and all that sort of stuff. And then Dell kind of realises, doesn't yeah. he? It's like, shit. I don't know how Rodney doesn't notice. I know he's drunk in that, but Dell sort of turns to Rodney uh, uh, Denzel, sorry, Rodney's next to him. He's like, I forgot about that. Sort of trying to cover up. That's but it. Rodney's right next to him, but obviously he's pissed, so probably isn't particularly aware of what's going on around him. That's it, yeah. And because it's a twist and turn, isn't it? At the start of the episode, is Dell saying, you know, I'm going to get the two grand from Boise to give to Rodney. And then the Driscoll thing happens. Then he knows he's got to pay the money to the Driscolls, which he promises to do, but he kind of mathematics isn't his strong point is it so he kind of like promises the same amount of money or the same money to two different people doesn't it and now it's like well do i give the money to the driscoll's yeah and let rodney down or do i take a pounding give the money to rodney like a promise for his um wedding present to be fair boise's and you see like boise says he's found three grand in his pocket and he only has to give rodney two so he could have given the driscoll's a grand i mean i'm sure they wanted more than that but it might have kept him off his back for a while yeah, absolutely. Um, so the Driscolls kind of turn up in the background, don't they? And they like point at Dell and indicate that he's got to go. So Dell kind of, you can see the look on his face. He's like, right, I'm about to get my ass kicked. Now. Yeah, there's a bit as well, just before this happens, where Rodney's um, 
he's worried about his middle name, isn't he, at the wedding, which obviously is a bit of a oh, yeah. bit of a scene when <laughs> when they actually do get married. He's like, they're not going to say my middle name, are they? And Dale's like, no, they'll just say Rodney Trotter. But obviously, we'll come on to that when we talk about the wedding in a second. Yeah. So yeah, his middle name. <laughs> um, but then Dell walks his way out, and they've got like a stand-up comedian going on in the background. And apparently, the guy who played the stand-up comedian is a real comedian. Appeared isn't he? in Tullinback. He's a real comedian, but he also appeared in Tullinback, and he played one of the arresting police officers at the end of the episode. Oh, that's another thing I did not know. Um, wow. Okay. I, I did sort of see that he is actually a, a real comedian, um, but I didn't realise he, he made another appearance. That's another person, and we've had a few people, haven't we, that have popped up a couple of times. It is. It is an ongoing thing where they have like one actor who appears as like several characters on and off, like not regular enough to notice, but yeah. Well, I've never um, noticed it, and I've seen to Hull and back yeah. and this hundreds of times, and I've never noticed that, so. Yeah, so he's one of the officers at the end, um, when they kind of catch them all in the shop, but we'll get onto that when we get to that episode at some point, I imagine. Um, so yeah, Del gingerly goes towards the Driscolls and gets taken outside for a bit of a walloping, and then Denzel kind of takes it upon himself to try and like talk to Rodney doesn't yeah. he and kind of like let him like let, in his drunken state but trying to um, manage his expectations of what might happen let him down it? sort of gently that Dell might not come up with the money he's saying things like when people promise things and they really mean it but sometimes something else happens and Rodney's just fucking laughing isn't he, and dismissing what he's saying because he's pissed that's it yeah and it's like I thought that was a good scene because like Again, like amount of times that like Dendal's been like screwed over by Dell, but like they are still mates and stuff. And I just think again that's acted really well. It is the way um, yeah. their kind of facial reactions are, especially between Denzel and Dell, like the way they're looking at each other. And then when Dell leaves, that you know, the guy playing um, Denzel, uh, what's his Paul, name? Paul, Paul Barber, Barber, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he plays that scene so well, and I think you know it really. This shows that there was some quality acting and only falls along the way. Denzel's a really good character, actually. I think he's quite quite underused. He, he's, I mean, he, he's obviously one of the main characters, but he doesn't he doesn't get much screen time, does he? No, but when he's in there, I think it's because he's probably a bit of a higher quality actor. I want to say than some of them. Yeah. Um, because he's appeared in quite a few kind of British movies along the way. I mean, he was um horse, horse. in the full monster. Yeah. Anyone ever thought that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, he's obviously trying to let Rodney down gently. And like you say, Rodney's just pissed out of his head and he doesn't have a clue. <laughs> and then the next scene, it cuts to the flat and Rodney just comes storming in, doesn't he, with no trousers on. He's just got <laughs> like, stuck on his boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's like, Dale, I want a word with you. <laughs> so Dale, Dale's in the bathroom, isn't he? Um, Rodney's banging on the bathroom door. Um, Dale's pretending he's had too much to drink. But obviously we know what's really happened to him. He's had an absolute pounding from the Driscolls. He has, yeah. And I, that scene's done really well because you don't actually see Dell at this point. You just see Rodney on the outside, like banging on the door. Yeah, Dell's obviously and groaning like, in the bathroom because he's bruised to shit. Yeah, and he's like, oh, you left me and they jumped me and did all this. And then I found out that you weren't going to give me the two grand. And like Rodney's giving him like a real hard time. Yeah, he's like, I've told Cassandra's mum and dad, you know what I'm going to look like now? Right titter, that's what I'm going to look like. <laughs> Yeah, he almost like hiccups when he says it though. Yeah. Like, he's like, I'm going to look like a rock. Yeah. That's the way he's doing that whole drunken yeah. thing. Um, and then we, um, Dell's like, oh, your money's on the table. So Rodney kind of wanders out and comes back holding it. And he's like, oh, sorry, Dell. And he's like, didn't mean to shower you. And then the camera kind of cuts to inside the 
um, the bathroom and like Dell's there with shot and he's got bruises. He's had like, I don't think it's like cracked ribs or anything like that, but you know, he looks like he's had a proper like going over, hasn't he? Yeah, like, he's he looks laid into it. He looks pretty bruised and like it's all over his body and stuff again because the drizzles don't go for the face, which we found out with Jevon and, and Mickey. They just take, you know, smack the shit out of your body, don't they? Yeah, and then it's like um, Rodney says something like, "Oh, we'll have a good old knees up," and he's like, "I think I've had enough of that for one night." Thank you. <laughs> I think this this is um, probably the scene you see most where Dell cares for Rodney. I mean, we we touched on it in a couple of other uh, other episodes, but this is where you really see. It. I mean, he's taking a proper beating for Rodney. Um, yeah, and also and it's not the first time. Either, no, I was, I was about to say that myself. There's the episode with. Um, Irene, isn't it? Irene McKay and um, Rod. Yeah, Dale takes a kick in for Rodney in that episode as well, doesn't he? Yeah, and it's like it just goes to show that even though, no matter what, like Dale always has Rodney's back, and I think that's one of, the, like we said before, it's quite a touching thing that he is that big brother and father figure. Like he's not going to see Rodney disappointed on his wedding day, basically, or break that promise. So he's willing to take an absolute kick in. And obviously, in the previous episode of Irene, like he sees Rodney, who would have got his head kicked in in um, the first place, but Dell takes it for him, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, because he thinks it is Rodney, doesn't he? The, I can't remember Irene's husband's name, but he's just been let out of prison, hasn't he? And he thinks yeah, Dell's he Rodney. Finds out that, yeah, he finds out Rodney's been seeing his wife, because Rodney's seeing an older woman. Um, so he kind of just figures out the name Trotter, goes after Dell, and he's like, you're Rodney Trotter, aren't you? And Dell's like, yeah, yeah, that's me, and then just gets his ass Yeah, because at first he's about to, he's, he sort of goes, no, yeah, I am Rodney Trotter. He, at first he's going to deny it, and then he's like, yeah, I'll just take the beating. So yeah, fair play to Dell. Yeah, he's a, he's a good guy, Dell. Um, and then it cuts to Rodney's wedding. <laughs> um, so you've got all the usual suspects on the right-hand side. You've got Cassandra's mum and dad, and then like loads of extras. Clearly She's moaning. Side of the family. Pam's moaning yeah. that it's in a, it's, the reception's going to be in a pub, not in the, uh, the c- cricket club or wherever she wanted it. That's it, yeah. She's literally, I saw every time she's on screen, she's pissed at the moment about something, <laughs> isn't she? You're complaining. Yeah. Um, and then on the left-hand side, you've literally just got, all the usual suspects, you know, Mike, Trigger, Denzel, a lot of them, they're all there. Mickey, Jevon, they're all there for Rodney's side of the family. And um, it's the priest, isn't he, when he's like, do you, Rodney, Charlton, Trotter? Yeah, and they all just start laughing. This is the only time yeah. we, we find out what Rodney's middle name is, isn't it? We don't. It's the only time it's ever mentioned. That's it, yeah. And I swear he's mentioned it like two or three times and they always burst out laughing and taking the piss. So at the end, before it's like, you can kiss the bride, he's like, now Rodney... Rodney Trotter. Yeah. He just doesn't bother saying no. it, does he? Just to keep him quiet. Yeah, so he gets pissy with him for a laugh, and doesn't he? He's like, can we not take this a bit more seriously, please? Or something like that. And then, like I say, the last time, he just says, Rodney Trotter. <laughs> yeah. So every time they're laughing as well, you see Pamela Parry getting all, like, ruffled and everything, but they're taking the piss. Yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> give it a rest, Joel Tart. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just cuts to the um, reception, which is being done in the nag's head, and it's straight away shown... <laughs> Pamela Parry pissing and moaning once again about the fact that it's in like a um a in a pub with jelly deals and stuff and Alan's like, Well I like jelly deals. Yeah. <laughs> There's something weird actually. Um in this um sort of reception scene before the sort of ending of it all. There's a there's a little bit I think um Rodney and Dale are, are talking, having a bit of a heart to heart about obviously Rodney moving on and what he's done and stuff and everything. And in the background, Trigger's slow dancing with Marlene. And uh, Boise's having a random slow dance with Cassandra. Is it... Oh, really? I know, obviously, people sort of dance and stuff at weddings, but, yeah, it's really weird. And if you look, 
Like Boise's properly not touching up Cassandra, but they're they're having like a little bit of a you know sort of smoochy slow dance. I always thought that's a bit weird. That's random because I actually noticed something at the end of this scene between um, Boise and Cassandra, um, which I'll touch on in just a second. I think I know what you can notice the background bit. I think I know what you're going to say, but yeah. Um, but yeah, like you say, you got Dell and Rodney kind of just having that kind of brotherly talk about, you know, you, you're moving on and, you know, mum would be proud and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's just quite a nice scene. This whole episode, this whole like kind of third act of this scene, the sort of like the way it all kind of wraps up is it's just quite nice. Like if they actually, if this was the last episode, I think this would have been good enough to do it the way they end it. I actually thought that myself. I mean, I love series seven, don't get me wrong. Um, but they could have ended it here and it would have been fine. But I'm glad they didn't because Series 7 is, is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so, Yeah, as are some of the specials that surround it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think, you know, this is such a great episode. And it kind of wraps up the whole kind of like the Trotter Brothers storyline quite nicely that had they have not come back, I think it, well, at least it would have had a bit of closure to it. You um... could have even thought that maybe John Sullivan didn't have more storylines in mind and this could have been the end. But then it was so massive at the time. I doubt if it, it he would have thought of wrapping up at this point. I mean, it was huge. 19 million people watched this one. So he'd have been a bit exactly silly like to wrap it up. a good viewer base. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of weird things about this um, reception scene. Cause it kind of jumps between a few different people. Because Alan's like, oh, I'm going to see Dell. Because um, we're going to, a, what is it, a pie, pie and mash, mash shop. shop. And Pamela's like, yeah, why are you going there? For pie and mash. You're going to get drunk, aren't you? <laughs> Yeah. Ever since you bet dealt, you know, Rodney's brother, you've become like a born again hooligan or something like <laughs> yeah, that. And she's exactly. just probably laying into Alan and he's just like, I don't care, I'm gonna go and have some more jelly deal. And he just kind of <laughs> bobs her off buggers off because she's such an asshole. I can't stand her. Yeah, she's annoying. That's my head. Yeah. Yeah. But then another thing about this reception, it what um doesn't make sense is why is Duke there? Like <laughs> Marlene and Boise's great dame is just like in this <laughs> reception hall like, on the table. It's like, what the fuck's the dog? I, do you know what? I, I... <laughs> I've never thought that, but you're right. Why would the dog be there? I've obviously always <laughs> noticed him being there. He's eating the cake or something at one point, isn't he? But why is he there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, let's invite everyone, the owner, like the regulars, and Boise's dog. <laughs> but, but Marlene loves that dog, doesn't she? She treats it like her baby is, is in another episode, so maybe that's why she brought it. Maybe, yeah, because that's the whole point, isn't it? At the time when they're doing the story of, like, you know, Marlene and Boise can't for some reason have a child. What Boise buys her a dog to keep her kind of happy, doesn't he? Yeah. And ends up being a bloody Great Dane. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just never knew why um, the dog had to be That's there. But when they're point. leaving the hall, when they're leaving the hall, like um, Rodney and Cassandra are kind of like shaking everyone's hand as they're leaving and thanking her for coming. And as she gets to Boise, she just completely blanks him. He like holds his hand out as if to say yeah. goodbye. And she just walked straight past I him. I knew you were going to pick up on that because I've picked up on it as well every time. Yeah. Like, say, five minutes before, she's having a slow dance with him and it looks like she wants to get into bed with him. Maybe that's why, then, she blanks him. Maybe she feels guilty. Yeah. Maybe that was, you know, it could possibly be that that was actually, like, a little sort of thing in the background. I think it's probably coincidence. But, yeah, you're right, I've always noticed that. She shakes everyone's hand, Boise puts his hand out, and she just walks past him. Yeah, and goes straight to, I think it's Albert who's on the end, isn't he? Yeah. She goes straight past him, says goodbye to Albert, and then they go. I mean, they, so they've I always... They've always had a love-hate relationship with Boise, though, haven't they? Like, particularly, yeah. particularly um, Raquel. Raquel doesn't like him, does she? Obviously, Raquel's not, not in no, this but... yet, but 
it's always been a bit. Yeah, he's like a right arsehole, though, isn't he? <laughs> he's, yeah. he's horrible. And Boyce, Boyce is obviously a snob and he thinks he's better than everyone else. And, you know, even him and Dell, it's a bit of a love hate relationship, isn't it? They're always trying to outdo yeah. each other and wind each other up. There's another bit as well um, that's kind of ongoing through this, like, kind of wrap up section. Is everyone keeps coming over to Dell and like hugging him or like tapping him, but they're always like tapping him on his injured ribs, aren't yeah. they? So he's always like, yeah. he's absolutely still getting it's almost like he's getting beaten up again all the way through the bloody. Yeah, section. that's right. I wonder if he ever, I doubt if he ever did, ever told Rodney what happened. I doubt it because obviously Rodney buggers off on his honeymoon at this point. So it probably was never talked about again. So Rodney would never know he took that beating. No, and I suppose Dell, he's got a lot of pride, and yeah. he's, I'd imagine, as, a, as the character himself, would be like, there's no need for me to tell Rodney that. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if... You know, it's just something he did in the background. It might even be in that um that book I'm reading at the moment, that Del Trotter autobiography. Yeah. I haven't come across it yet. I wonder if he ever did give the Driscolls their money or whether that beating was the end of it. Do you know what I mean? I wonder if that was closure for them or whether they still wanted their I, money. I assume it must have been closure because like they're like, if you don't get our money, we're obviously going to take it out in another way. So I yeah. assume he took the beating in place of the money. Yeah. And they don't ever turn up again. Although they did appear in the Green Green Grass. They did. Which is a spin-off that came a few years later. And they're, they're mentioned a couple of times, but they never appear again. They're, they're in the Frog's Legacy they're mentioned. And I think that was, was that after this? Or was it, it'd be before this, wouldn't it, actually? Yeah, Frog's Legacy is yeah, before this. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're ever mentioned again then, are they, in, a, in any later episodes? No. And as I say, like, they don't actually physically appear again until the green, green grass. And I think that was only for one episode, from what I remember. Yeah, I think it was. Um, so this scene kind of closes with um, everyone kind of leaving. Boise, just as he's grabbing Marlene, he's like says to Dell, I want to speak to you about those VCR recorders. You should see what that Chinese kid's done to him or something. Del, Del and Marlene have a bit of a heart-to-heart as well, don't they, at this point? Um, yeah, because she's asking him why he never got married and stuff, isn't he? And he says it's because of Rodney, because obviously he was looking after Rodney and the women weren't interested. They obviously wanted Del and he didn't want to leave Rodney. Um, and this, this kind of alludes a little bit to... Dell and Marlene possibly having a fling at some point. It's talked about in another episode, isn't it? One of the specials, I think. Because they they get very close, don't they? And as they're leaving, they, they have a proper passionate kiss, don't they? As Boise tells Marlene they're going. It's it's not just a little peck on the cheek or whatever. They properly like going at it. Yeah, because it is, like you say, it's mentioned in one of the like you say, latest specials. And I swear it is a case of like Dell was seeing Marlene properly. Um, yeah, I think she was kind of seeing Boise at the same time, and I think a certain incident happened, and that's why she ended up with Boise instead of Delbury. Yeah. Basically, it's, it's it? random as well. I mean, we're going off topic a little bit here, but in that special, there's no need for that really to be mentioned. That whole scene, but anyway, we'll talk about that if we cover that episode in the later one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's been an ongoing thing. Like Del and Marlene are always kind of like Del always grabs her warmly by the Harris. <laughs> When he when he sees her, as Boyce would say, he's always like grabbing her ass or he's like giving her a kiss and stuff. See, that's another thing you wouldn't um, get away with these days. Which I mean, obviously they're they're mates and stuff, but sexual harassment—the way he just walks in and just pinches her ass and stuff—you wouldn't get away with yeah, that exactly. these days. He just creeps up behind her after time, doesn't he? Like yeah. I say, he whistles, grabs her by the ass, <laughs> gives her a kiss and stuff, and it's like, all right, mate, calm down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, this scene ends, and it's quite a nice way this scene ends. And again, I think it's it's testament to the fact that this could have been the last episode. Obviously, we're glad it wasn't. But it ends with them having their little heart-to-heart, Boise and Marlene leave, and then um, Albert and Dell have a quick chat, and then Albert leaves, and it's just Dell stood there. Yeah. And uh, there's a Simply Red song playing. I can't remember which one it was, but 
Dell actually starts crying, and that apparently was real tears coming from David Jason because um, he felt at the time, in an interview, he said um, he felt at the time it like he'd seen Nicholas Lyndhurst grow up over the series, both as Rodney and both as Nicholas, because they were really close friends as yeah. well as doing the filming. Holding back, and he the said years, that it's almost it? like the song. It is holding back the years. You're absolutely right. But I simply read, and he was. Um, and he was genuinely crying because he felt like he had seen like one of his best friends and almost his brother, obviously his storyline brother, yeah, kind of grow up and get married and kind of leave the nest. So it was a real moment for David Jason. And I think that makes the scene just that little bit more touching. Yeah, it does. He takes the um the groom off the cake as well, doesn't he? And put it puts it in his pocket, the little groom topper. He does. Which yeah. is quite quite a nice little touch. And apparently John Sullivan wanted to end that scene with the audience laughing and he when they when they watched the playback um i can't remember he was speaking to one of the producers or one of the production team and he was like oh no one was laughing at that scene and apparently the audience were all crying as well because it was such a they saw Dell or david jason crying and they were caught up in the moment so it's actually a really kind of emotional scene all round on set which again i just think is a nice way that it all kind of came together definitely i'm glad there wasn't laughing there because it would have totally ruined that scene it would, yeah, because there would have been no need for it. Um, but there's plenty of laughter because you think that would be the end of the episode, but there's one more little scene. Isn't <laughs> it's a good little there? scene, isn't it? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it all fades out and you think it's ending and then it cuts to Dell and he's back in his flat and he's just, he's talking to someone on the phone. It's about, Albert, isn't it? About, yeah. Albert phone. he's talking about trying, Yeah, he's asking about like how, um, if he's heard from like Dell and um, Rodney and Cassandra from their honeymoon, isn't he? Yeah. Because Albert's round at old Elsie Partridge's place, isn't he? Um, and he, yeah, wants, he um... wants Dale to go to the Legion to play dominoes with him. Um, and this is sort of where you see Dale missing Rodney already, isn't he? He's sort of realises he's on his own. There's no one else in the flat. Yeah, because he's like, they had a nice honeymoon and then he saw him, they're back, and he saw him this morning riding to work on his bike, didn't he? Yeah, he's like, he had his the, suit on, his three-piece suit. He looked to right, like, looked really good, he did. Did you stop and talk to him? No, I couldn't. He was on his bicycle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just imagine Lanky Rodney in his like suit on his little bike going down London. Well, you see him, don't you? And and uh, Rodney come home. I think it is that one of the specials where you see him in his suit on his bike. He was a right fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Dell sits down in his usual chair, and he's got like his brandy and his cigar, and he's kind of looking at what would have been Granddad's old chair on his left. Then he looks to the right, and what would have been where Rodney usually sits, and he's kind of alone in the flat, and he's just kind yeah. of there thinking to himself. When um, what should happen? But Rodney just comes in, doesn't he? He comes in the door, yeah, with his suitcase, and his suit on, and he's like, "Oh, I may have had a blinding day at work," and he just starts like waffling on, doesn't he? Like he's just come home, and Dell yeah. sort of like looks at him, makes him so work, home. And he just kind of he sort of yeah, sits down, picks up the, picks up the paper, starts reading it, takes his shoes off, like he's he's settled for the evening, and he yeah, and he's like, "Oh, where's Albert? Oh, he's, she's over at Elsie Partridge's house. Oh, right, what's for dinner?" <laughs> oh, I don't know. I might. Uh, I was going to pop down the old. Um, what's that? Star of Bengal, wasn't it? Star, Star of Bengal. Bengal Ruby Murray, yeah. And then Rodney's just sat there reading the paper. So Dell kind of gives it a minute. And he's like, Rodney, can I say something to you? Something that might hold you in good stead with your marriage. And Rodney's just got that dopey look on his yeah. face. Like, yeah, go on then. You don't live here anymore. <laughs> Rodney just face completely drops. Oh my god, she'll go loopy. Yeah, I love she'll go bloody them. loopy. Off he goes. And then <laughs> it's it, just that expression. <laughs> it's that classic Rodney expression where his face drops and he just looks so 
That's and then it obviously ends with the iconic line. Dale just looks at the camera. What a plonker. Yeah, and then it just freezes and like the music kicks in and it kind of ends and it's just uh, Which again would have been this episode. Could have been a good sort of way to end it. Again, we would sounded like we don't like series seven, but we really do. But the way obviously yeah. Dale turned to the camera and said that punchline could have been the perfect ending, really. Yeah, it's almost that kind of fourth wall break to say goodbye to the audience, isn't yeah. it? Almost, where yeah. it's like, and but yeah, I, I absolutely love this episode. I've had a great time talking about it. It's, <laughs> um, this episode is probably gonna be like the longest one we've done so far, but yeah, it is such a good episode. There's a I lot can't... to cover, though, isn't there? A lot happens in this yeah. episode, a lot. You've got lots of little I mean, subplots probably... going on. I mean, we probably could have done a whole series just covering series six because so much happens in this season, it's just it's. Yeah. Arguably, like, these that was a favour. Like, if you haven't watched Only Fools in the Wild, grab this season, you know, grab it on Amazon cheap or, you know, do it, grab it wherever you can, really. But it is such a cracking season. Yeah, there's not one bad episode from start to finish. And it tells the whole story of Rodney and Cassandra and stuff. So it's it's worth watching. It's, what, six episodes? So they're all about 50 minutes long. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's a good it's... Five, five, six hours worth of watching, but it's worth, worth persevering and watching because it is brilliant. Exactly, yeah, you can knock it out over like a, you know, a weekend, you know, two episodes Friday, two Saturday, two Sunday. It'll be a great weekend for you. I might even do that myself this weekend because I absolutely <laughs> love this season. I, it's, say, I it's couldn't, so couldn't think of a much better thing to do at the weekend. There's no Premier League football, <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, but yeah, so much about this episode. I don't know. I can't probably say any more than I've already said about how much I enjoy it. But is there anything else you've got to note on this one? No, not really, Brad. I think we've covered everything. We've we've pretty much gone through. I just, as we've said, while we've been going through this, this episode, I mean, they're all well acted, but this, I think, is probably one of the, the best acted episodes by all the cast. Dell with his emotions, Rodney and his pissed antics. And yeah, it's just a great episode, isn't it? It is. And I think it's, it's easy to overlook. With a show like Only Fools and Horses, everyone always remembers like the jokes and the comedy. But when you can get comedy... That can also do drama and do it properly. Yeah. Like the, there are moments throughout the whole of Only Fools and Horses, like you say, like Del Boy taking a kick in for Rodney and stuff. There's some proper like emotional moments and really solid acting that comes between all the gags and the jokes. And they just manage to blend real life scenarios with just, you know, gut splitting comedy at times. And they just do it so well. I think that's why this show is so endearing and people love it so much because it's just so much fun to watch and it kind of covers everything. Yeah, it's very, I think it's very difficult to cover comedy and drama the way they did it. And I know you're probably going to hate me for saying this, but the only other comedy I think that's done it, certainly recently, has been Gavin and Stacey. And I know you're probably not a fan. Um, I've never watched it, but it never appealed to me. But I'm, you know, I know loads of people loved it. Yeah, it's, they, they did a very similar thing of mixing emotions, drama and comedy. Um, but that, that's one of the only other things I think that's done it in the same sort of style and vein as, as Only Fools, certainly. Fantastic. Cool. So that pretty much wraps up this episode. Again, as always, we hope you've enjoyed listening. Do let us know on Twitter. You can reach us at the Hyperbaric Goats on Twitter. Please do. Uh, leave we us do. a message. We do answer and follow if you follow us. So uh, at- go ahead. Give us some abuse and we'll, um, we'll take it on the chin. <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, let us know what you think of this episode because, as you can tell from the pair of us, we think it's an absolute cracker, one of the absolute best 
Um, and that's not saying that there's any bad episodes and any falls, but this is one of the very finest, absolutely. And we've still and got us... more to go as well. So if we think we this do. one's good, you think what we're going to say about the rest of them? Yeah, just wait until we get to our number one and see if you agree with us on that one. Well, we'll go on all night with that one. We might have to do it in two <laughs> parts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might just be a whole new se- season of podcast <laughs> just just for every scene of that one episode. But we'll, uh, we're digressing as usual. So I will say good night and um, we'll join us next time. Bonjour.